we're excited. There's so much going on this uh, next month, this, this month, and uh, we just are looking forward. Our prayer gathering starting um, tomorrow night, our prayer, prayer and fasting time. I'll share a little bit more about that later on, but um, we, we, uh, we look forward to all these opportunities for us to get together and share together and pray together and see what God does. God does so many things when the church is together. There's just, uh, there's really power when there's unity in the body of Christ. And we've been seeing that in our prayer focus over the last, what, month and a half. Just, uh, just what God is able to do. Now, um, we started this series, Seeking the Heart. And we are looking at the life of David. And David, it's, we have two scripture foundation to our series um, 1 Samuel 13, 14, where it says, The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And then in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so we're taking and looking at David's life. What made him, as God describes him, a man after his own heart? And is there anything in David's life that we can translate into ours, that we can look at and go, let's, let's seek after those things because those are the things that please the heart of God. And, and so today, um, I take that portion of David's life that everyone's familiar with. I mean, even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably know the story of David and Goliath. And it's always a challenge, of course, when you take it, something so familiar. If you grew up in Sunday school class, you know, years ago, you saw the flannel graphs, you know, you went through the whole story. I looked up um, the video um, streaming of, uh, of, the, of David and Goliath, um, you know, in animation. And there's just like a hundred animated stories of David and Goliath. So um, it's very familiar. So, but sometimes those familiar stories the reason they are and why they're so popular is because they're filled with biblical truth that are applicable to our life. Just there, There's so much in it that is so helpful for us if we grab those things that are powerful into our lives. And, uh, and so this story is, well, it's David and Goliath. I mean, everybody knows. I mean, Goliath is, is you know, even it, it's kind of part of our language, you know, facing the Goliaths of our life. The giants of our, you know, our life, the things that we have to face in our life. And we always love those David and Goliath stories where, you know, the underdog, uh, you know, has no chance. He, you know, against all odds, he's able to win and get victory. And, you know, especially guys, we grab onto those things like the Rudy story or, or Rocky, you know. Rocky 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 23, and 32. <laughs> Have you seen the last Rocky story? You know, the, the last one? He had, def he had defeated, you know, Ivan Grago, I think, 22 times. And this last one, he was able to beat him over the head with his walker and run him over with his wheelchair. <laughs> so, we, we like those. We love those stories. And the, the premise behind what all action movies is almost always the underdog who is against all odds, you know, defeats. Whether it's a shoot 'em up or a sports story or whatever it might be, 
it always kind of seems to be that. The background to this story is that Israel had a king after the people's heart. He really wasn't concerned about what God thought about him. He just was concerned with what people thought of him. And God wanted a king for Israel that was after his own heart. And he found a little boy and Jesse in the household with eight boys, and he was in the fields. He was a shepherd. And, and Samuel, the prophet, went to the house of Jesse and eventually found him in the fields and brought him in and anointed him to be the next king. The thing was, just because he anointed him to be the next king didn't mean that he started being king that day. He went back to the fields and was a shepherd. He still was out in the field taking care of the sheep. And, but God was working on David. God was moving in his life. In fact, in the field is where David got the foundation to become the man after God's own heart. And in this story, become the warrior that God had made him to be. The, the, the great warrior, David. It was in the, it was in the fields, it was, it was tending shepherd that he discovered who God was, the heart of God. And that discovery of the heart of God gave him the kind of faith to challenge the greatest you know, battle that he would face up until this point in his life. And so the story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and there's a contrast. This story is a contrast to how we live our life, the way we live our life. We live our life either by faith or by fear. Either by faith or by fear. We're going to either be faith-filled people or we're going to be fear-filled people and, it's, and, and it perpetuates in our life. And so we pick up the story as David has, um, you know, his brothers have gone to the battlefront. They're battling the, the Philistines. And David is told by his father to bring some food to his brothers and to some of the leaders and kind of see what's going on on the battlefront uh, over uh, by the Philistines. And so, um, but there, each day... He, he, as he discovers, each day they, there's skirmishes going on, but the armies are kind of in a raid against each other. At some point, they, they're going to kind of battle. But there was kind of a tradition in those days that sometimes they would submit to a, a battle between their greatest warriors against each other. Instead of having the carnage of a war, they would allow their two greatest you know, warriors to battle it out. And then if one won, the, other one, the others would then submit themselves to the victor's side. And it wasn't often done, but it was done. And, and this is kind of the background of what's going on now as the, they're arrayed together and they would have these skirmishes but they had a champion. They had, you know, Shaq was on their team. And, you know, Goliath was actually larger than Shaquille O'Neal, which is hard to imagine in our time, but he was actually larger than him. Um, probably some, well, 
a minimum height of seven and a half feet up to close to nine feet. So somewhere in that range was his, his size. And he was, he was a warrior. And he would stand up and he would taunt the, the, Jewish, the, the Jews on the other side, he would taunt the Israelites and say, you know, send out your warrior, you know, and he would mock them because he wanted to fight them. And so we pick up the story in verse 10. As David is down and he comes to the, to the front looking for his brothers and sees what's going on on that front. It says, the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So Goliath, well, he, he just keeps taunting them, and he won't go away. The scripture says in verse 16, the Philistines drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. So every, he doesn't even just show up once in a while or, or every day. He comes up every morning. He shows up and says, send, send me a man. Come on. What's wrong with you? You weaklings. You, you know, you, you, you and he, he mocks them. You, you have no guts. You are nobodies. You're dogs. Come on. Send me a man. He does it in the morning and he does it in the evening. And I want you to think what's probably happening to the army of Israel every time he stands up there and mocks them like that and calls them out. Because every single, single one of them is trying to be a courageous warrior, a soldier. They have, if you're going to go to battle, you have better have some confidence when you go to battle. If you are kind of, if you have insecurity, if you're, you know, you're not sure of yourself, if you're not really ready for battle mentally, you're going to get destroyed. But every day, the, the giant stands up and says, come. And every day, twice a day, they cower. Every day, they're challenged. Their courage is challenged. And not one of them's willing to go put it on the line. So what does that do to their battle readiness? It just makes them weaker and weaker and weaker. And that is what's going on every day for 40 days and David shows up and sees what's going on and this is relentless the the, the soldiers are weak they're they're cowering they're filled with fear and David shows up and David spoke to the men who stood by saying what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel he sees what's going on for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now he keeps saying this actually. This uncircumcised Philistine. This uncircumcised Philistine. Well what is he doing? Why is he, why is he focused on that? Well he's focused on it for there's two reasons that, that what is happening that David sees that the others probably are unaware of. It says See, David saw this as a spiritual problem. See, it wasn't just a physical problem. It wasn't just that there's a big guy there and somebody's got to try to take him on. He's bigger, bigger than us. This is more than just a physical problem. This is a spiritual problem. And he sees that. This is an uncircumcised feeling. This is what someone who worships a 
foreign gods. This isn't so, someone who's part of us that worships the God of the universe. It, he did, he's not one of them. So he saw that. He saw the spiritual issue there. And he also saw this was a dishonoring of, of, of God. This, was, this is a dishonor of God kind of problem. He sees that. He says that he, he would defy the armies of the living God. Who's this guy that dishonors God? And David get riled up about that. And he wants to deal with that. He wants to take them. What's going on? Why isn't there somebody doing something about this? You see? And, and so what happens is his brother, his oldest brother, hears about it. And the scripture says in verse 28, and Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come here? You see, when you are a person of faith, you can always count that your faith or your, your life of faith is always going to cause problems around you in other people's lives. So David has got all kinds of faith, but his brother is hearing David talk with kind of like, who's, you know, somebody needs to do something about this. We got to do something. So Eliab starts to actually, he's going to try to tear down David's faith. And so he says to him, you know, why are you even here? You shouldn't be here. He says, he says and, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? In other words, you're supposed to be back there with the sheep. You're nothing but a shepherd. You're not a warrior. You don't deserve to be here. You shouldn't be here. You're nobody. He, he even goes further. And he says, I know your pride. See, your problem is you're filled with pride and insolence in your heart. David wasn't filled with pride, he was filled with faith. There's a big difference. And so he says, for you have come down to see the battle. All you're about is just want to see what's going on. Get out of here. See, but it's, it's not bad enough that the enemy taunts you. Sometimes it's even your brothers and sisters who will jump in. And and here's the reason. Here's the problem. What's Eliab so mad about? See, he himself, he's mad at himself. It's, it's not David. It's him. He's mad at himself. He's frozen in his own fear and wants to have faith, wants to have the faith that David has, but he can't. He wants to have the courage that David has, but he can't. He's his younger brother, but he doesn't have the courage of that teenager. And he knows that. And that just makes him even feel worse. And his fear causes him to be out of control. And so he tries to control something. Because that's what people who are out of control try to do. They're always trying. They feel out of control. They're always trying to control someone or something. Because when you're unhappy with yourself, you take it out on other people. And that's what's going on here with David. See, when you live as a person of faith, there will be people, because of their own guilt, because of their own shame, well, oftentimes, your life is just a reminder of their own failure and that they're not where you are. And unfortunately, if they don't see 
the grace of God. Because the fact is, all, you know, what we know is we're not anywhere without the grace of God ourselves. We, we're not better. You know, some of our, us have had lives that, that are, you know, are way worse than the people who are living in their own guilt and shame. Our past is, you know, is, was a disaster, but we found the grace of God. But those, those who are looking upon us with kind of um, you know, disdain because it reminds them of their own sin, well, they don't understand that it's the grace. And that's why as believers, even when we're reviled and persecuted, the scripture says that we're to love those. Because those, those people are living in, in the, the shadow of the grace of God in our own lives and their guilt is already driving them oftentimes to persecution. But if they can be show, they can be shown the grace of the Lord. They can be seen, they can see that they themselves can have it. Not because they'll ever be worthy, because none of us ever are. But because he is. He was worthy for us in our behalf. So, so here's David. He's dealing with, um, you know, having to, to face his brother, who's really kind of getting in it. And now he is taken. He, the, the word gets out that David's, you know, talking that he, he's, he'll be willing to take on the guy. That now he, they bring him to Saul. And the king sees him. So he got his brother already kind of ragging on him. And then D- David comes and Saul pitches in. And pa- Saul says this. You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. Now get this. Saul tries to project his fear on David. See, Saul's afraid to go against him, and so Saul just talks him up to David. I mean, like, if you have someone who's willing to actually go to battle for you, are you why not talk him up and talk down the enemy? You can take that guy. You know, you know get him all <laughs> riled up. You, you can do it, man. Pop up. You got what it takes. You know, but he doesn't. Instead, he, he says, you can't take him. Man, you're just, you're a young guy. And he's been fighting since he's been a young. He was a great warrior when he was your age. You think you're going to handle him? Can't do it. And what Saul does is he projects his fear. This is how Saul sees himself as opposed to, to Goliath. See, the enemy of your soul will use anyone or anything to tell you that you can't do what God says you can do. I'm going to say that again. The enemy of your soul will use anyone or anything to tell you that you can't do what God says you can do. See, your Goliath is always trying to oppress you and say you can't. You can't. It'll never happen. And that's what, the, the, that's what see, S- Satan has... His plan is to keep you down from walking as a person of faith and always causing you to always be in the the arena of fear. You know, there'll never be breakthrough in your life. You'll always be bound this way. You'll always be under. You'll always, you know, you'll never 
there are people, I, I have a word, there are some of you that the devil is telling you that you'll never be happy again. You've had some difficulty in your life and you are going through a season and the devil's telling you you'll never get on the other end of this. That's a lie. That is a lie. See, he, he wants to project his own fear. The devil is afraid. I don't know if you know that, but he is. The Bible says that the demons at the name of Jesus tremble and the scripture says that he, he fears knowing that his time is short and he, he, has, he, he's, he, he, has, he lives in a state of anxiety. That's the, that's the world of darkness. And so the, 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 here now Saul is projecting on David and listen how David responds. Because this is how we have to respond. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from the mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Wow. Wow. I mean, I wrestled a cat once, you know. He takes on a lion and a bear. Actually, I have wrestled a bear. I've told that story before. I won't, I won't brag about it again. But Listen, David, David, David's not bragging on himself. He's breaking on God. You understand that? He, I mean, you, you, you'll, you'll read that. When we, we'll get further on this. But he's breaking on God. But he goes back to what God has already done. Listen, the reason I can handle this guy, because I know, it, I know the God that I'm following. I know what he can do. I know what he has done. And you have a story, too. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a story, for sure. And maybe many, many stories. That you can go, hey, I was in this situation and the God of heaven came through for me. God broke through. God made it happen. You have a story. But even if you say, well, I, can't, I don't have a story, you will. But here's the story you already have, which is the biggest story of all. You were lost. You were lost in your sin. You had no hope of heaven. You were guilty as charged. Sinful. Broken. And on your way to hell. And God came through. And the gospel was shown to you. And you responded. And you got saved. Now you might be in major process. I mean, you might look just a little bit better than you did when you first got started. You know, you might not be very far along the line. But you have a story to tell. I was lost and now I'm found. God touched my life. I was hopeless. I, I, I didn't have God in my heart. I wasn't serving God. I didn't want God. I didn't want his ways. But Jesus came into my life. I killed a lion and a bear. And that's David's story. You know, I was out in the field... And the enemy came, and I love the way he says, 
You know, the lion took a hold of the sheep and I just grabbed him by the beard. Now, he says, he said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like that one. Be like, be like one of them. See, how did this all, what, what made David this great man of courage and faith? It happened in the shepherd's field. It was, it was there he discovered the character of God. It was there that the heart of God and the faithfulness of God was revealed to him. David was shaped in the field in quietness and adversity. It's that place that God shaped this man who is courageous now and who is willing to fight the, where, you know, where no one else was willing to. And he says, so he says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. See, that's what ticked David off. This guy's just honoring God. You know, Jesus... I mean, he, he, Jesus was the most loving, meek, you know, forgiving, gracious person that ever walked the earth. But he had this other side of him. And there was a, there was a side of Jesus that was never, it wasn't that he, he never defended himself. Whenever he was attacked, he never defended himself. But when he walked into his father's house and they were, you know, there were money changers in the temple. And he says, you have made the house of prayer a den of thieves. Get out of the way. He took out his whip and he turned over the money changers and he chased them out. At great risk to his own self. He was disrupting the whole financial system of that community when he did that. He was, he was at that point, the religious leaders were furious with him that he would do that. It wouldn't be long after that, by the way, that he would, he would end up on the cross. But he was willing at that point. David would get stirred up whenever God was being dishonored. And not, not for his own defense, but because of God. And so the scripture says that, so it says in verse 3, it says, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hands of the Philistine. Um, so David had defeated his personal enemy, so he was ready to face the enemy of God. And he didn't run from the lion or the bear. He didn't run. Listen, some of us, we need, to, we need to go after the lion and the bear. You know, when he saw the lion and the bear, the Bible says that he ran after the lion and he ran after the bear. And when he gets, sees Goliath, by the way, we'll read that he ran after, da after Goliath. In our lives, there are Goliaths and and some of us have defeated some of the, maybe a lion, but we've left the bear to go. And I want to say to you, you have what it takes to defeat it all. Whatever it is. 
You know, I, I know I was talking to someone recently who had, they, they had actually defeated, you know, their alcoholism. They've been clean for quite a long, long time. They, you know, the, the bondage, they, they defeated that lion. By the power of the Lord in their life, they defeated that lion. But they told me they just can't seem to stop smoking. And they, they've kind of let that one go. The bear is still around. Now, I know, and I'll just say this, that if you smoke, it, you're not, it, smoking doesn't send you to hell. It might get you to heaven sooner than you're supposed to be there. <laughs> but it's not going to send But what I'm saying is, why have anything in your life that controls you? Why have anything in your life that is, you know, that you're subject to in any way? Get rid of it. Defeat it. Say, well, I've tried. Stop trying and defeat it. Go after it. In the name of Jesus, take with the power that you have in the cross. Don't give up. Don't go, I'm, you know. Yeah. Listen, you might, if you're wrestling a bear, there are times probably, even if you've got assurance of winning the ultimate battle or the war, you're probably going to lose some battles, right? There, there, you, you might be in that. Don't quit. You have the power to, to break through this stuff. In the name of Christ, just don't give up. Press on through. Some of you are facing giants in your life, and what you've done is you have allowed the enemy to talk you down on these things. Now, so Saul gets David, and he says, okay, here, I'm going to put some armor on you, right? And so what he does is he, he puts on... He gives him his armor. Now, Saul is head and shoulders above everybody else, right? He's a... I have a new Apple Watch, and it has a timer on it. <laughs> and I just told the timer, forget it. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. It just gives me a warning. I have only another 35 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so... So here's the thing. So Saul give, gives him his armor. And David tries it on and he can't. It's too big. It doesn't fit. He says, I, these haven't been tested. I can't do that. See, let me tell you what Saul is trying to do. Get this. This is a principle. Saul tries to give David the thing that Saul trusted in. Let me say that again. Saul tries to give David the thing that Saul trusted in. David didn't trust in the armor. David trusted in God. Saul is trying to give him what he trusts in. When he goes to battle, Saul doesn't trust in God. He trusts in his armor. And he wants David to wear his armor. And there are people in your life that will never support your faith in going to battle. They're never going to be there. They're, they're, they're going to be the people that are going to be the the faith drainers and the, the, the naysayers, and they're going to tell you, you can't uh, accomplish that. You can't achieve that. You, will, you know, this has been who you are your whole life. You're never going to change. You're always going to be this way. They're those people. And there are people who are going to tell you when you are facing challenges and battles, they're going to give you their armor. They're going to give you the advice 
of people who have not, who do not have faith. And you have to watch. The Bible says, blessed is a man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinner or sits in the seat of the scornful. You know, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. Because, oh, I've seen this happen many times. Somebody's struggling, you know. So they go to work. And her, and her, her, her friends are going to counsel her about her marriage. And they're, they're telling, oh, man, I, if I had a husband like that, boy, I'd, I'd be out of there in a second. You know, I can, you know, and they're going to they're give, give them their armor. This is, how I, I, this is how I fight. I just give back to them twice as hard. You know, I spit in his food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he goes and he, he talks with his buddies. Oh, man, you got a woman like that. Hey, listen, listen, let's just go get yourself somebody else. There's plenty of women out there. You know, you need to let, let, just end this thing. And you get advice from the ungodly. If people that they don't, they're, they're not people who trust God. They have their armor and they'll put it on. You're facing, you know, financial difficulties or challenges or whatever it is, career, whatever it might be, dealing with your kids. You need people of faith around you that know how. There, there might be a strategy, but God's always for the person of faith in the center of whatever that is. It's always prayed in, prayed through, walked through the scriptures. That's the person. You want to be with those kinds of people that are going to be encouraging you in the word of God, who are going to tell you, yeah, David, you don't need that. Take, hey, you, you know, I've seen you with that sling, buddy. You're amazing. Get yourself some rocks. You're going to take Goliath down. Those are the kind of people you need in your life. And so, believe in what God gives you, a sling and a stone is better than the armor of another's when it is used in faith. When it is used in faith. Then he took his staff in his hand, it says in verse 40, and he chose for himself five smooth stones. Now, there's argument about why he had five smooth stones. I mean, maybe he took five stones in case one or two missed. He had a few extra in there. But then some argue, well, listen, Goliath had four brothers. He had a plan. You know. But he takes these stones, he puts them in his shepherd bag, in a pouch, which he had, and his, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. See, Goliath thinks he has superior spiritual power behind him. But his gods are fake. They're phony. They're not real. And the Philistine said to David, listen, Goliath is still talking, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now that doesn't sound very pleasant does it? I believe this is 
the turning point or the tipping point. Whenever there's kind of a battle or a war, there's always like this tipping point. This is like the, the, end of the tip of the spear, the, the, where it can go one way or the other in the battle. And I see this as that tipping point in the battle with Goliath. Because Goliath is throwing out everything to bring doubt, to bring unbelief into David's head. Everything. He's throwing the kitchen sink at him. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to, you, you know, you come to me and I'm, I'm going to destroy you, man. You're dead. You're, who are you? You're just a kid. You're nothing. You, you know, you, you come, come to me with a, a stick. I'm going to destroy you. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to completely annihilate you. And he gives us this grim picture of what is going to happen to David. I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air. But David has his own trash talking. He can trash talk too. And so as Goliath is trash talking, David interrupts him. And he starts in. And he says, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You know, the, uh, the, the God of heaven and the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, he doesn't stop there, right? This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And, and this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp to the Philistines, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, that was, the, that was the point. Because you're going to face, you, I can, you can count on it. You're going to face the enemy trash-talking you. You're going to come to points in your life where you're trying to believe God for something in your life. And you're needing a miracle. You're needing a breakthrough. You're needing strength. You're, needed, you're needing it for yourself or you're needing it for others. You're fight, some of you are fighting Goliath for people that you love in, in your household. They're in the line still in the line cowering, but you're the one standing up against for the, you know, the enemy. And you, you'll, everyone who faces their Goliath will face the points and where the enemy will do everything he can to get you to cower in fear. And it's that point, it's at that point that the confession of God's word, the confession of faith it's extremely important for victory. It's at that point that you don't cower in, but you, you, you give, you, you speak courage because, not of yourself, but because of God. My God is able. My God, you're nothing. You, you speak these words against me, but you're nothing before the God of heaven, whom I trust and whom I serve. And some of you are facing times right now. Some of you are facing challenges in your health and, and in, your, in your family and in your future. And some of you are facing it in your emotional disruption that has gone on into your life. Some of you in so many different places in, in our lives, we face our Goliaths. And at that point, 
you're aware of those voices, aren't you? It says, oh, this is, you know, you have a, you have a little pain in your side and your mind goes and to the worst case scenario for you. Instead of, instead of, you know, because you're listening. You've been listening. Some of us have been listening. We've been more attentive to the lie of the devil than we are to the word of God. And that's what's getting us in trouble. That's what's robbing our joy and our courage. And it's time to stand up like David and declare that God is able. And I love this. It says, then all this assembly shall know. David says, I'm going to do all this, and then all this assembly shall know. Because it shouldn't be David. It shouldn't just be David. He should have, when David arrived, there should have been an army of people going, hey, Saul, I'll go, I'll go. I'll take him out. I can handle him. He's no problem. There should have been a whole army of people like David saying, I serve the living God. We can, I can handle Saul. And Saul would have to make a decision. I don't know which one of you guys. It wasn't like that. There was only David. But it could be like that. It could be like that in the church. It could be more than a few people who have the courage to face the Davids. It could be the whole church. Every one of us could be those kinds of people. Every one of us, that we could hear a word from a friend or, or, or someone we care about, or a workmate who says, man, I have this going on. My family's falling apart or my health or whatever it might be. I'm, you know, I've been, in, been so depressed. And we're the ones to say, hey, we'll fight with you. We'll take on God. This isn't, we can declare, this is not going to happen to you. In Jesus' name, we'll stand with you. We can all be that. We can all be like David. God needs more of us. We'll stand and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? <laughs> we'll handle him. And then David says, the Lord does not save with sword and spear, but the battle is the Lord's. Would you say that with me? The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. The battle is, listen, this is the sound of faith and courage. This is what it sounds like. And David, the scripture says, David runs at Goliath. And I imagine after Goliath hears this, I'm going to, this, this young you know, whippersnapper is saying, I'm taking your head off, I'm going to feed your, your carcass to the, the, the birds, and uh, you know, you're a dead man. I'm, I have, the, I have the, the, the God of heaven, the, God, the, the Lord of hosts on my side. You're a dead man. And he starts running on. I just wonder if, if Goliath, just for a second, got a twinge of like, oh, who's this, who is this guy? Enough to kind of lean forward and something strikes his head. He got a thought that he never thought he would have. (laughs) And David comes and he takes his sword and he cuts off his head and it's his trophy. He carries it around. 
He's a teenager. What else do you do? <laughs> now, folks, um, God wants to build us, build us into an army of David's. An army of David, people of faith. All of us. You, you shouldn't be any less than that. You have more in you. You have the Spirit of God in you. You shouldn't be any less than that. And you need to stop letting the devil tell you that you are less than that. God has greater things for you. I, uh, I, I really am believing what, what's happening in our church right now. We are becoming a church that really has galvanized in prayer. We're seeing miracles happen. I just want to see more of that. This next week, um, we're starting three nights of prayer. Each night at 7 o'clock, we're going to gather for worship and prayer. I'm going to encourage you to, we're not just worship and prayer, we're doing some fasting. And uh, fasting is not eating. And I know the moment I say fasting, some of you just got hungry. Just, that's what happens. You say fasting, oh, <laughs> go get me something to eat. But, but we fast. The Bible talks about fasting and prayer, and breakthrough happens. There's a breakthrough that happens oftentimes when only happens when we fast. And uh, so whether it's a meal, you know, you miss a meal, you miss... A, a day's worth of meal, or all three days worth of meals. You'll survive. You will. I don't mean that in a mean way when I look out and say you'll survive. You will make it. There's not anybody in this room that wouldn't survive that physically, right? Unless there's some health issues, and then we say, okay, then you, then, then you need to be cautious in how you do that, but... You can do that, and it would be a breakthrough for you. Some of you, that's the step for breakthrough. That's taking your, that's getting those rocks in your sling. That's, you know, it's, it's fasting and prayer. I encourage you to do that. Now, even if you, like, your work doesn't allow you to come in the evenings when we gather, I would encourage you to stop at that time and pray wherever you are. Join your church family as we pray. And, of course, if you can get here, get here. Come and let's spend three days together worshiping and praying and seeking God. Because great things happen when we pray. Now we're going to end this way. In a, in a second, we're going to receive the offering as a form of worship. We have a video I'm going to, we're going to show you of Jackson. And just to kind of encourage you in what can happen when groups of people, the body of Christ comes together and presses in together in prayer what God can do. And then we'll close in worship. Okay? So let's pray. Father, I pray that you, as we bring our gifts and offerings to you, as, a, as an attitude of worship, we, Lord, ask that you bless. Gift and giver, just bless us, Lord. Use it for your kingdom's sake, in Jesus' name, amen. We've got the news.